Thank you everybody for joining the show today. Today I have a very special guest. I call him Jim Tesla, as you can see he's rocking the Tesla. And actually on my phone I have him say I have the same test as Jim Tesla. <laughs> and Pat and I when we're talking about you say, yeah, Tesla guy. So he's a friend of mine, his name is Jim. He's gonna share his story today and he has a very interesting and uh, not the typical story and that's why I have him on the show. How you doing, Jim? Good, good. So we're gonna begin like we always do about your background, how were you growing up and stuff like that. Sure. So before we jump into that, just introduce yourself. Give us a little a summary of yourself to the people. Okay. Um, let's see, a summary of myself. So I'm 56 years old now. I don't, I don't feel that old. <laughs> on the inside, I still feel like how you look like on the outside. <laughs> But uh, I know when people see me, they see something different. Right. But um, so I, um, I've raised six kids in total. I have wow. uh, four grandkids. Hmm. And uh, I've been involved in ministry off and on over the past mm -hmm. uh, 30 some odd years. Mm -hmm. Right now, I currently run a, a small company. Mm -hmm. uh, we do carpet cleaning and duct okay. cleaning, things nice. like that. I've done all kinds of different things over the years. Everything mm -hmm. from delivering pizzas for a living to running a cell phone store. Wow. When, when cell phones were the size of this Bible, I used to sell <laughs> cell phones. They were Man, the yeah. brick phones. Yeah, the, yeah, the old brick phones. It was a bag phone, actually. It came in a bag, so it like looked similar to your bag there, and you pull the handset out. And huh? I'd sell those and all kinds of. That's stuff. bag in the day. That's right. That was way <laughs> back in the day. They were different. So, so, let's go back to Jim, young Jim. Okay. Who is who was young Jim, and how did he act? Well, I was uh, I was raised in Southern California. Okay. Um, we moved to Buena Park when I was about three or four years old. I'm the oldest of seven okay. on uh, my mom's side of the family. Mm -hmm. And I, um, uh, we had a pool growing up, which was very common in California. Of and course. so I lived out by the pool all summer long, <laughs> and, and that was a lot of fun. Yeah. But my mom, we were raised in a Lutheran church. Ah. Um, she started taking us to Lutheran church, and I really liked it. I liked really? church a lot. As a kid, I really, really liked it. Just and like church in general, not specific Lutheran church. Yeah, right, exactly. I liked studying the Bible, like reading mm -hmm. about the Bible stories. Mm -hmm. I'd go to school and share the Bible stories with my friends at school. Okay. They all thought I was crazy. <laughs> and um, and I loved the Old Testament. Oh. That, that, to me, was way more interesting than the New Testament. Huh. So, um, yeah, so that was really fun. And then uh, when I was about 13 years old, uh, my mom said, we're going to um, a meeting. Mm -hmm. And it was actually a Jimmy Swagger crusade. Wow! Back oh, in 19... Jimmy Swagger. Yeah, Jimmy Swagger. Yes, in 1976. Okay. So it was a couple years ago. <laughs> and, uh, and so she took us all there, mm -hmm. and uh, of course Jimmy Swagger. And I was Lutheran is very, you know, it's all about German culture, which mm -hmm. they're very stoic. Mm -hmm. You don't show emotions. Mm -hmm. The um, the choir would sit behind us, mm -hmm. and they'd start singing up in wow. the up in the balcony behind us. Oh wow! And so okay. as I and I'd turn around to see him, my mom would slap me in the head. <laughs> Look at him. I was like, they're singing. So, you know, you're not supposed to look at him. Like, huh? I had so, no idea. Yeah. So it was very formal, um, very formal setting. Mm -hmm. And I'm not a very formal person. Yeah, so. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so then I'm at the Jimmy Swire crusade. Everybody's shouting and screaming and mm -hmm. and and raising their hands and saying Hallelujah, Hallelujah, brother. <laughs> And Jimmy's super emotional, and I'm yeah. and I'm I'm an emotional person. So I thought that was this is really cool. You could do this in church. This is awesome. I didn't know you could do this. And so he gave his altar call, 
and mm-hmm. um, and actually, you know, he always used to talk about his cousin Jerry Lee Lewis. Okay, always talking about Jerry Lee Lewis when they mm-hmm. were growing up, and he was a famous rock and roll guy back in the late fifties. Okay, and uh, "Goodness Gracious, Great Balls of Fire" was a big song Jerry Lee Lewis was famous for. Okay, uh, but uh, so anyway, so. Uh, Jimmy gave the altar call and mm-hmm. so I grabbed my brother Joe who was just mm-hmm. a year younger than me Joey and I said come on let's go and I dragged him up there and we went forward and received the Lord okay. and um, and it wasn't a huge emotional event for me some mm-hmm. people when they get saved they weep they cry yeah. they fall on the floor yeah some people have they laugh have different reactions mm-hmm. for me it was just it was very um, it wasn't it's just intellectual I felt okay. I felt it was sincere but mm-hmm. it wasn't a very big emotional experience Is so that- Based because at the time you wanted to know the word. And yeah, I think for me because it was it was a even though I'm an emotional person, it was a it was a truly a spiritual pursuit that okay. involved my heart, mind, and will, not yeah. just my not mm-hmm. just my emotions. And so my brother and I got saved, mm-hmm. and my brother Joey. What was the change like uh, pre again saved? Because you already loved the word. Yeah. So so the family I grew up in. Um, we uh, we were really out of control by mm-hmm. today's standards. Uh, so so we'd scream and fight and yell and throw mm-hmm. things and beat each other up. My mm-hmm. mom would lock us out by the pool all day long. She literally locked the door uh, because we'd make a mess anywhere we went. Wow! And so I was she's like you're in charge of everybody, and I could see her finger in my face. Even still, she would paint her nails red. They were really long. And she's like you better take care of your brother and sister. So uh, <laughs> crazy. So, um, so you know, we were just kind of crazy kids, yeah, and kind of, kind of left up to our own devices, mm-hmm. and so, uh, so it was kind of intense. Mm-hmm. So the change in our lives at that point wasn't huge, mm-hmm. but there was a difference inside of there. I wanted to do something different. I wanted okay. to be better than I was. I mm-hmm. wanted, I wanted peace. I wanted to know more about the Bible, mm-hmm. and uh, and my brother Joe changed too. Yeah. Um, so at that time, he, he I could see there's a difference. He wasn't mm-hmm. as hateful or mean mm-hmm. as we used to be. You okay. know? And there was a there was something beginning. Mm-hmm. And um, so shortly after that, we started going to an Assembly of God church. Okay. That was crazy. <laughs> that was awesome. So so we go in and we sit down and we sit down in the church uh-huh. and half the chairs are up on the stage facing the audience. Oh, yeah. He was like, what? I was like, what is this? This is crazy. <laughs> So we're sitting down, and I'm kind of excited because, like, I remember Jimmy Swagger. So this is like these guys. So all of a sudden, the choir comes marching down the aisles, and they're wearing these bright magenta robes. And they're clapping. They're, we're marching. We're marching up to Zion, that beautiful city of God. And so they come marching down the aisle. And they fill up the other half of the church. And I was like, this is awesome. And the and the, the pastor he has these chairs on the stage, but they're like thrones. Oh, okay. So there's the pastor and the assistant pastor, mm-hmm. and they're literally like giant throne it's like it's a big thing in the assembly of god at the time okay and so then he preaches and does mm-hmm. the whole thing we went there for several months mm-hmm. and then one time he's preaching and he's like and i feel god's calling somebody in this room into ministry Ooh. and i was like oh ministry that sounds cool mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> i didn't know he knew what it was right other than okay these guys are pastors they mm-hmm. teach people about the bible i, I like that idea mm-hmm. and i'm always sharing the bible with my friends at school mm-hmm. Might as well do and, it for life. yeah so i was like maybe i didn't know you could do a thing like that <laughs> And so, um, uh, and so uh, he asked to call forward, and, and he said, I want to pray for you if God's called you into ministry. So I went forward, okay. and there were several other people up there, mm-hmm. and he was praying for me. And he's going down the aisle praying for people, and, mm-hmm. and, he, and they're falling over as he goes. Then he mm-hmm. comes up to me, and I saw these people falling over, and I thought, if mm-hmm. this is God, mm-hmm. if this is God, I'm okay with that. Mm-hmm. But if it's not God, mm-hmm. 
I'm not going to do it. Yeah. So he starts pushing on my forehead as he's breaking. Oh, come on. And he's pushing, he's pushing, and I'm fighting it. And he's pushing harder. And pretty soon I'm standing at an angle like this. Because I'm not going to fall over. If it's God, I'm going to go. But if it's not God, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so he finally gave up and moved on. <laughs> I guess it wasn't God. Yeah, at least from my perspective. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I kind of understand that there's times when the Holy Spirit overwhelms a person. Yeah. And your physical reaction is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was one of those moments for me. Yeah, yeah. And, it, and at the time, I, I began to develop an understanding is I don't want to pretend God's moving when he's not. Yeah, that's good. Because to me, that's false. Yeah, uh, that's true. It's creating a strange fire before the Lord, oh, yes. in my opinion. So, yeah, that's true. Um, so anyway, so I went on from that point. Mm-hmm. Um, we ended up going to, a, I got, got to go to Christian high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first one I went to was a Lutheran school. Mm-hmm. And uh, unfortunately, it was this school mm-hmm. was a lot of the poor little rich kids mm-hmm. who got kicked out of every public school in the city, and now their parents are putting them in a Christian school. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like I was one of the few believers there. Huh. And um, and even the Bible teacher, I wondered if he was a believer or not because wow. of the way he taught the Bible and things mm-hmm. he would say. And, mm-hmm. and there were some people there that were clearly believers. But then mm-hmm. the, my second year of high school, my because mm-hmm. that back then high school started in ninth grade, okay. and then my second year was, was tenth grade. I went to a new school, mm-hmm. and the the principal asked my parents to leave the room. Okay. And, uh, and he said, "I got to ask you a question: Do you really believe Jesus is Lord? Are you really a Christian? Because mm-hmm. if you're not." He says, that's okay, but I won't, don't want you to go to school here unless you really are a Christian. Wow. I was really impressed. Yeah. And that, that guy was the principal. His name was Mike Maynard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ended up being my football coach, my biology teacher, and years later, my pastor. Hmm. He and I both worked in the vineyard together. He in Southern California. He pastored several churches in the Vineyard Christian Fellowship there. And wow. So, yeah, we had a history after that point. Yeah. So. And um, so... Um, so... Uh, so then he said, so let me know. I was like, oh, yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. want to go to, I'm definitely a Christian. I told mm-hmm. him about how I got saved and what mm-hmm. happened. And he's like, okay, then you're somebody we want to go to school here. So okay. so he brought my parents back in. I got mm-hmm. accepted. And from there, it was a small Christian school. It was 81 people in my graduating class. Hmm. Uh, by the time I graduated, I played mm-hmm. football and I wrestled. And, okay. and and then my friends became like family to me. That's good. And I'm still friends with those guys. I hmm. went, That was 40 years ago. I went hiking with my friend Mike Hackney just a few weeks ago. Wow. So. What was the... Uh, so now you, you have a good surrounding, good community. You're growing the Lord. What was the jump from being a school, like a normal kid, to now I need to go pursue ministry? Right, right. So I didn't really know what that meant. I mean, I had a preconceived notion because of the charismatic world around me. Yeah. And then I thought, well, a pastor, you have to do this and you have to do that and you have to do this. Mm-hmm. Not really realizing what the scripture teaches is sometimes very different than what our culture teaches. That's true. Because whatever culture you're coming from, either mm-hmm. in my case, early years Lutheran mm-hmm. to charismatic, mm-hmm. you know, we all have a cultural understanding. But what God does mm-hmm. is He'll give you a word, and you think you know what it means. And that's true. But, but then you find out later, <laughs> it means it, He redefines the, the all of it for you, and, mm-hmm. and that's the healthy part of it. That's the journey that we're all on. That's mm-hmm. the road. Da, da, da. <laughs> We should have theme music or something. Right. <laughs> we are at the road at Chapel Hills Mall. So that's the church we're in right now. Yeah. yeah. 
that's the that's, that's the humor. <laughs> yeah, so I went to a ministry program up in Ventura, mm-hmm. and Ventura, uh, where? California? Uh, Ventura, California, and uh, it's just south of Santa Barbara. Okay, north of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. and uh, that's where I met my wife, and mm-hmm. and we eventually got married and had a couple kids, and we moved to Grand Junction, okay, which is the western side of Colorado, okay, and the western slope, and I was doing pest control at the time, and mm-hmm. there's a whole story about how we we got from Ventura to, to Grand Junction. The Lord really confirmed that's where he wanted us to move mm-hmm. um, but that that's kind of a long story but the bottom line is is the Lord led us there okay. I, I bought it I bought a car for like 500 bucks mm. <laughs> packed my family in it and we drove to Grand Junction <laughs> so that's faith it was faith it was dumb or faith or both but <laughs> probably a little bit both so um, and then I eventually mm-hmm. got on staff with the vineyard there mm-hmm. um, and I loved it I thought I died and went to heaven I thought they're going to pay me to do this? This is crazy. Mm-hmm. I would have done it for free. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah. A, how long were you there? In uh, I was on staff at the Vineyard for about four years. Okay, and what was your uh, role job? I was the children's ministries pastor. Okay. So my primary responsibility was organizing, running, training the children's mm-hmm. ministries department. Okay. And when I... Uh, we just had gone to two services. Mm-hmm. We had, by the time I left there, we had upwards of 500 kids every Sunday. Wow. We had a lot of kids. Yeah, and, a lot uh, of kids. And I would do, I do vacation Bible school. They never did it before. And that mm. was like a summer program. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all the churches in Grand Junction did it at the beginning of summer. Mm-hmm. I thought, I'm going to wait till the end of the summer when the parents are eager to get rid of their kids. <laughs> so I waited till a couple weeks before school started and then we ran our program. Mm-hmm. We'd started on a Monday and then each week we'd increase the number of kids by like 50 to 80 kids every day. Wow. Which to me was proof that the kids were enjoying it, something good was happening. Yeah, yeah. So by the end of the week we'd have close to 500 kids in vacation Bible school. Mm, wow. And uh, yeah, it was really, really fun. And then I took it seriously. I thought, if this is, if this is God's word, mm-hmm. no matter how old someone is, mm-hmm. they can receive the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I said, okay, well, how, I taught on the gifts of the Spirit, I taught mm-hmm. on the speaking of tongues, Baptism of the Holy Spirit. I said, how many kids want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Six or seven of them raised their hands. They'd come forward. we just lay hands on them. And, and the vineyard at the time, what I loved most about Pastor John Wimber, who was the original founding pastor, mm-hmm. is it was the Holy Spirit without the hype. Mm-hmm. So, because so many times my experience in some of these other charismatic groups, it was always shouting and screaming and rolling whether God was doing it or not. Mm-hmm. John wasn't like that, so I wasn't going to do that. I wanted, if it was God, I wanted to be God. Mm-hmm. So I prayed for these kids, yeah. and they started speaking in tongues. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I was like, oh, okay, just in the name of Jesus, you receive the Holy Spirit, and they start speaking in tongues. Wow, that's awesome. <laughs> prophesying. And, and so I went down the line, and several of those kids are now on staff at that church there. Oh, yeah, uh, and now amazing. pastoring churches and doing mm-hmm. stuff like that. And uh, so it's really fun how it What was next people. after... Vineyard. Vineyard. Vineyard, yeah. Vineyard. So I got fired. Oh. Yeah. That's interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was unpleasant. I thought I was doing better than ever. Mm -hmm. After four years, we had all the classes staffed. I was trying to write curriculum, and Mm -hmm. the senior pastor brought me in and sat me down. Mm -hmm. He said... He said, Jim, things aren't working out. And I started laughing because I thought he was teasing me. Mm-hmm. And he goes, no, I'm serious. And I thought, I started laughing more. He goes, no, we're going to have to let you go. Today's your last day. Just like that. Yeah. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm doing better than I've ever done. Mm-hmm. We've got all the classes covered for the first time in years. Mm-hmm. We've got this, this, and this, vacation Bible school. Kids are getting saved. Kids are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. Huh. Um, and I said, I, I'm doing the stuff. Mm-hmm. We used to call it the vineyard. I'm doing the stuff mm-hmm. with the kids. He goes, well, you're just not working out. 
And I said, well, can you tell me what I'm doing wrong? Ah, you don't have enough vision and you don't have enough leadership. And I thought to myself, isn't that his job? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so the guy I was replaced with was um, his golf buddy. Oh, okay. And uh, by the reports of the teachers there, he never even went into the Sunday school classrooms. His wife ran everything. And the senior pastor and his buddy went and played golf two or three days a week. Huh. And so I thought that was pretty low. Yeah. Know, not, a, not a smart thing to do, but, mm -hmm. and it was painful, you know? Yeah. It was really painful. Um, mm -hmm. I felt devastated. Yeah. Because I was really invested in all mm -hmm. of this. And, uh, but you know, it's it's the wounds that we experience as mm -hmm. believers. Yes, true. The breaking process. I heard somebody say once, never trust a man mm -hmm. until he's been broken. It's true, because you see what that really made of. Yeah, and then in the breaking process, mm -hmm. if you let the Lord put you back together, there's mm -hmm. no bitterness, there's no hatred, there's mm -hmm. no unforgiveness. I love that. Yeah, and you have to be broken. I yeah. mean, we look at the stories of the scriptures. Mm -hmm. How many Bible characters went through this complete mm -hmm. shattering of their lives? King David is a great example. Yeah. And on and on the list goes. Moses, you know. Everybody had a wilderness period. Yeah, they did. Mm -hmm. They did. And... And would I encourage anybody to go look for that experience? <laughs> no. It's going to come find you. It's going to come find you. <laughs> and but we have to remember that that's what begins to shape us into who we are. So mm -hmm. I thought I was. I thought I found it. I thought I'm in ministry. Mm -hmm. I'm doing the stuff. Kids are getting saved. Mm -hmm. Kids are receiving the Holy Spirit. I'm leading a home fellowship group with adults and, and my mm -hmm. Sunday school teachers. And I thought this is it. I'm doing the stuff. Mm -hmm. And then I get fired. Like, what do I do now? Yeah, I didn't even know what to do. I couldn't even I couldn't even have the opportunity to go look for another job in another vineyard in Colorado because mm -hmm. the way they handled it. Yeah. Who's going to have to hire you after that? Wow. And so um, I delivered pizzas for a year. Hmm. How was, was that when you delivered the pizza? Would you, would you consider that like your wilderness period? Because you, yeah, I would say so. Mm -hmm. That was pretty much the beginning of it. So mm -hmm. I we started going to a Calvary Chapel okay. in Grand Junction. Um, and that was great. They, they teach the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Mm -hmm. And then I'd go into the pastor's office every two or three days. Mm -hmm. He'd hand me another handful of CDs, which were Pastor Chuck's sermons over the years. Chuck would teach all the way through the Bible. Chuck Smith was the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Costa Mesa in California. Okay. In California. Mm -hmm. He was the founder of the whole Calvary Chapel movement for okay. the most part. So in that process, um, he... Uh, he would, and I just listened to the Bible every night, all night, as I'm delivering pizzas. Hmm. And then in a, I looked back after delivering pizzas for a year, mm -hmm. I realized I got to share the Lord with more unbelievers hmm. and minister to more people wow. in one year of delivering pizzas than hmm. I did of four years of full-time, of what we call full-time ministry. Mm -hmm. Because I was in a, you know, you get, you get in the box. Yeah. And it's easy to just say, okay, I'm in my office now. I got to mm -hmm. do my thing. Yeah. And when you're out in the world, you have to interact with people. Yeah, and, and, and you let the Holy Spirit lead you in that process. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and in the process, I got to meet people, share God with them, yeah. pray for people. Mm -hmm. Never even had anybody pray for them their entire lives. Wow. And, so it's uh, a different form of ministry that you had previously known. Right, right. And what I felt like the Lord had shown me in that mm -hmm. process was was being a pastor, being in ministry, mm -hmm. it's not a vocation. It's not where you get your paycheck from. That's true. It's your lifestyle. It's easy to forget that. It is, it mm -hmm. is, because we, we kind of put this other category on a pedestal mm -hmm. and say, well, you're not really a pastor unless you get a paycheck from a church. It's true. And that's not true at all. We, mm -hmm. You're really a pastor or in ministry because it flows out of your innermost being mm -hmm. with rivers of living. Wow, that's good. Yeah, and that was a, that was a painful lesson. It was yeah. hard. and. 
um, you know, went through a lot of mm-hmm. trials and difficulties from there. So, point. what was the next? What was next after delivering pizza for a year? What did the Lord lead you to do next? Well, then I got. Um, I had a friend who worked for the cell phone company in Grand Junction, U.S. West Silo at the time, okay. and he said, "Jim, you'd make a great cell phone guy, cell phone mm-hmm. salesman." So he hooked me up. I got a job selling cell phones. Those are the big ones. Yeah, this is the big phone, as big as your Bible. They had a cord on them. You know, it was like a dollar a minute. So you couldn't talk on it very long. <laughs> yeah, they were huge. They were wow, huge. that's crazy. Yeah, they were the bag phones. We looked like a lady's handbag. You know? Right. And so I started selling those. And then the company I was working for said, you're doing a great job. Why don't you buy the store you're working at? It's like, I don't have any money. I was delivering pizzas a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And he's like, I'll finance the whole thing for you. So I was like, I can't lose. Yeah. I'm not losing anything. Mm-hmm. So then I started making a commission off of the whole store and training mm-hmm. guys to sell cell phones. Mm-hmm. And uh, about eight months into that, the guy lost his license with US West Cellular to sell cell phones. Mm-hmm. And so my representative, who was also my friend, came to me and said, Jim, he's not working for US West. He, problems with his contract, he just wasn't doing things the way we wanted him to. How about I sign contracts with you? Mm-hmm. You just have to go to the mall and take over the lease. Okay. So I did. I went in there and said, um, he lost his contract, but I can take over the lease. So I signed the paperwork, and then I owned my own store, and I didn't have to pay a dime for it. And at the time, I was the sales, the total gross sales was almost $50,000 a month. And I was like, I was delivering pizzas a couple months ago. I was wow. happy to make $1,500 a month. You yeah. Know? And now the store is grossing a huge amount of money. Wow. And the Lord just kind of took the whole thing and just flopped it all the way over. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that, that kind of took on from there. Now, the cell phone industry changed dramatically, obviously, at that point. Over yeah. time, we went from the bag phone to the little flip phone, mm-hmm. the Star Trek-looking phones, and, <laughs> and then uh, smaller phones. But then the big carriers, the big companies started picking it up. So mm-hmm. that kind of business, it was just introduce it in the market. Mm-hmm. And then once that happened, then it kind of fell apart. But, mm-hmm. So then over, over the period of time, I started church in Grand Junction. I okay. did that for a while. And that was another painful experience. How did you... Did the Lord tell you to do that? How did you start? Yeah, yeah. So I had some friends, and we were praying about it, and we sort of had a vision. We felt God had given us about the Ephesians fivefold ministry, and okay. you know, kind of frustrated with the way some of the uh, mm-hmm. styles of leadership that other churches had had yeah. had given was really more of a dictator style of leadership, mm-hmm. you know. And so, so we started doing that. We got up to about fifty people, hmm. and uh, one of the guys, one of my elders, literally won the lottery. He won a million dollars, <laughs> which normally you think, that's good. That's yeah. really good. <laughs> I did notice he didn't tithe, though. <laughs> we love the Lord, too. It's time to show it. Right, yeah. So he didn't give any money uh, after that. But he won the lottery. And then my my cell phone business was, was kind of disintegrating because of the change in distributorship. Mm-hmm. So I took a job. We were meeting on Saturday night. And then um, I said, well, guys, I have to work Saturday night at my new job. We, let's, can we meet on Sunday morning? And they all agreed. Mm-hmm. And like I said, we had about 50 people on average showing up, my mm-hmm. brother and a bunch of other people. And then um, within that week, the guy who won the lottery went to all the other guys and said, we really don't need him. We can teach ourselves. We can, we, we can be the ones that God mm-hmm. uses to bring the message to people. Hmm. So they kind of did an absolute you know, yeah. where they kind of did an end around and said, we don't yeah. really need him. So then they, they called me and said, you know, we're going to keep meeting on Saturday nights. And I was like, I can't do that. That's okay. That's okay. We don't really need you. And I was like, but 
<laughs> I kind of started all this. Yeah. <laughs> I paid for all the chairs. I paid for the sound system. I paid for, you know, all these things out of my pocket. And I was, I was still hurt from my previous experience. Mm. So I said, you know what, guys, if that's what you want, fine. I just signed everything over to them, gave them the accountant's name who was running all the books for the church, mm-hmm. and said goodbye. And uh, it lasted about eight months after that before it fell apart. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I think part of that is because the selfish desires, mm-hmm. we all have it. It's not yeah. just them. Yeah. We all have this selfish desire to be more than, you know, it starts with, well, I want to do something for God. Mm-hmm. And then if we don't watch our hearts and check our hearts, mm-hmm. it turns into pride. And arrogance. And the scripture is really, really clear. God resists the proud, mm-hmm. but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself in the sight of God. Mm-hmm. And in due time, he will, he will lift you up. Yeah. And that's probably the most important element of ministry that I learned from that point forward is mm-hmm. just do the stuff. Do the works of the kingdom. Mm-hmm. Whether you're delivering pizzas, whether you're selling cell phones, mm-hmm. whether you're selling appliances, whatever you're doing... Mm-hmm. Do it all for the glory of God. And yeah. then look for those divine appointments mm-hmm. where you need to share the living word of Jesus Christ with yeah. people around you. Wow. So at this time, two major, major heartbreaks. Yeah. What is your relation to ministry? Like when you think of ministry at this point, do you even want to be in ministry? Or? I just figured God was saying no. Okay. I just figured that was that was then, this is now, I'm mm-hmm. just going to move forward. Yeah. But I always kept that first lesson in my heart that ministry is who you are. Mm. It's what you do. That's good. Whatever you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, you look for those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Whether you're traveling, whether you're, whether whatever I was doing, I mm-hmm. looked for those divine appointments yeah. to see where the Holy Spirit was moving on someone's heart. Mm-hmm. And then, and maybe I didn't have anything dramatic to say, but it's like, can I pray for you real quick? Mm-hmm. And I just pray for somebody, mm-hmm. and tears would run down their face. Mm-hmm. And they said, nobody's ever done that for me before. Wow. And, uh, and some of them have been Christians, some of them mm-hmm. had never been around Christians. Yeah. Um, but that's the Holy Spirit mm-hmm. sowing seed in their heart. Yeah, it's true. Them, you know? Okay, so what was next after that major heartbreak? <laughs> <laughs> the next heartbreak? <laughs> <laughs> the man of heartbreak. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so we, uh, we moved from Grand Junction mm-hmm. to Colorado Springs. Okay. And I got a job here cleaning windows with mm-hmm. a friend of mine's dad had a window cleaning company. Mm-hmm. And about eight months into it, uh, my wife uh, announced that she was going to leave. Wow. She wanted a divorce. She left me with all four kids, packed her bags, and moved out. <laughs> yeah, so that so was a. It was Ooh. yeah. It was uh, It was it was really hard. Yeah. And, um, so she she moved out, and um, you know we we tried to go to counseling for a while, and she now what happened. Part of the story in Grand Junction I didn't go into is mm-hmm. I had a brother who was gay who came to live with us. He mm-hmm. he eventually been discovered as having full blown AIDS at a mm-hmm. time when nobody knew what AIDS was really. Mm-hmm. The medical community understood it, but the general population didn't know what it was. Mm-hmm. So here I was a children's pastor at a conservative church in a conservative town, and my gay brother moved in with me and he has AIDS. <laughs> so I think that later I realized that was probably the main reason they fired me. Uh, oh, because. That's a lot of drama. that's a lot of scary things to mm-hmm. bring around other people's kids, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a time where those things are all frowned upon by the Christian community. Especially, wow! And nobody really knew what it meant. Mm-hmm. At the same time, my wife had developed breast cancer, mm-hmm. and she had the surgeries after surgery after surgery, and it was devastating for all of us. We were in shock. And Man. Yeah, and yeah. So that was the other part of the heartbreak, and then and then I got fired. <laughs> 
I know, it's almost comical. It is tragic. So I think for her, as her and I have discussed it over the past year or so, this was 20 some odd years ago, she said, I was lost. I had no idea who I was, what I was doing, mm -hmm. and I just felt like my whole world was collapsing on me. Mm -hmm. And she said, my only solution was divorce. Hmm. And, um, and so, you know, that was the path that she chose. Wow. And, uh, and we went on from there. Online dating was a new thing. And so we got on Match.com, mm -hmm. and I met my current wife, whose name is Debbie. Mm -hmm. She's a very nice lady. She's very way. sweet. Hey, yeah. Debbie. Yeah. So, <laughs> and she, um, she, uh, and I have been together for. We've been married for ten years now, almost okay. eleven. That's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. And so, um, through the course of time, we got involved with another Calvary Chapel here in town, and mm -hmm. I just went in and served. I didn't tell him my history or anything, and mm -hmm. eventually, the senior pastor said, "I need an associate pastor. Can you help me?" Mm -hmm. And so they ordained me as a pastor actually three years ago, about uh, almost three years to go to the date. Mm -hmm. And um, and so I went to that process. And Man. So now, obviously you're not <coughs> the assistant pastor there anymore. What is, the, what is next for you now as you look ahead? Because you're fulfilling the, your call, but it's not the same. The way I would have thought, maybe you would have thought it's going to look like. Sure, yeah. What I expected was to stay married for 30 years, have mm -hmm. a dozen kids. Mm-hmm and be working at the same church my whole life. Mm -hmm. And what the Lord had planned for me, mm -hmm. uh, in a way I kind of felt like some of the Old Testament prophets, you know, were, they were told to marry, you know, prostitutes. Oh, Hosea. Not the, not the, yeah, Hosea, not that my wife. He didn't marry a prostitute. No, no, not the, an and, and if I did, that wouldn't be bad if they walked with the Lord. But, yeah. Um, but, um, but just, I felt like the Lord was leading me to things that would cause mm -hmm. me a lot of deep pain. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, he still led me there. Mm -hmm. And I, I would be mad. God, why would you make me do this yeah. if you knew they were going to do that? Mm -hmm. And and I just felt like the Lord said, so that my love and my grace could be shown. Wow. Say that again. Yeah. <laughs> so I felt like that God told me that, mm -hmm. you know, I said, Lord, why? Why do I have to go through this? Mm -hmm. These are Christian people that I met. Yeah. And I felt, he said, so that my love and my grace mm -hmm. can be shown through you. Wow. I, through the pain. I love the story because, your story, because... It's not even the typical story that this show is built on. Like this show is built on people who have achieved what doing what God has called them to do, and then they walk us tell us how they got there. Right. This your story is a man who's still on that journey, and who's been through a lot of valleys. Yeah. 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 And he's not giving up. And no, I think. Um I think the key element, because we see that reflected in Paul's life when yeah. he talks about his experiences, mm -hmm. because I've learned to be a base and I've learned to live with much. Mm -hmm. He was beaten to the point of death dozens of times. Mm -hmm. Nobody ever beat me to death, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm grateful for that. Um, but, uh, you know, but I felt like I wanted to die. Mm -hmm. You know, I felt like my emotions were, and yeah, my heart was beat. That's a lot of, uh, it's yeah. a lot of pain, but you know what? It's the same thing we do with everything in our lives. We take it to the Lord mm -hmm. and we lay it out before Him and we mm -hmm. pour it out as a drink offering. Mm -hmm. Whether it's blessings. I mean, I've experienced great opportunities for wealth mm -hmm. for a while when I was doing cell phones yeah. and, and other things in my life. Mm -hmm. And I delivered pizzas for a living, mm -hmm. which isn't the most glamorous job You've you can done have. done it all. Yeah, and yet in everything I've done, I've tried to see what God's doing and then mm -hmm. just go partner with Him in that. And I got mm -hmm. to witness and minister to people that otherwise I'd have never been able to witness and minister wow. to. I led my brother who was gay to the Lord. He, he, yeah, I got to pray with him before he died. Mm -hmm. um, while I was at staff at the, the Calvary Chapel here in town, my brother mm -hmm. Joseph, was his wife had died. He mm -hmm. was dying of liver failure because mm -hmm. of his drinking problems. I got to pray with him to come mm -hmm. back to the Lord. 
my nephew Ethan, who now is becoming a church here, mm -hmm. he came to the Lord about a year ago, well, mm -hmm. a couple years ago actually now, and mm -hmm. so I'm getting to minister and encourage him, and now we're praying for the rest of our family. And, mm -hmm. and so you take, you take the ashes, God mm -hmm. says, I take the beauty, I take mm -hmm. the ashes, and I make something beautiful out of those things. Wow, I love that. And that's kind of been your, not model, mantra, because you didn't decide to be a mantra, it's just how your life right, right. It's, has gone. Yeah, and so, mm -hmm. and so I recognize that it's not the destination that's important, mm -hmm. it's the journey. Yes, and, that's beautiful. Uh, yeah. So what's next now for you? So uh, what I feel like the Lord's put in my heart is, is uh, my heart is to serve, mm -hmm. and so I feel like the Lord had given me an opportunity to just come to the road, mm -hmm. and so I'm helping out with whatever I can help out with. Mm -hmm. Down the road, I'd like to see you know more ministry opportunities. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I have a real passion for the Hebrew roots of mm -hmm. Christianity. Mm -hmm. My friend Mike is a Messianic rabbi here in mm -hmm. town, and um, and he's a Jewish believer in Jesus in mm -hmm. Yeshua. Yeah, and so I'm studying Hebrew, mm -hmm. uh, ancient and modern, mm -hmm. um, and I'm trying to wrap my mind around what that means to me as a Gentile believer mm -hmm. um, and relating to uh, my Jewish brothers yeah. and sisters. And uh, so where God's going to go and all that, I, I don't know, but, mm -hmm. but I'm excited because mm -hmm. I see, I see things going on here at the road that are mm -hmm. miraculous. Yeah. You know, people getting baptized, people getting saved, mm -hmm. the ministry's developing and growing. Mm -hmm. And so whatever piece I have in that process, I'm mm -hmm. excited. Yeah. That's amazing. So, and before I let you go, I wanna, cause I, I feel like this for this uh, episode today, it's more about the uh, the traumas that we've gone through in life and not giving up and still trusting God, like you were saying. What verse was that in, in Proverbs that you was hanging on? Oh yeah, Proverbs chapter three, five and six. Trust mm -hmm. in the Lord with mm -hmm. your whole heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but mm -hmm. acknowledge Him in all your ways. Yeah, I feel like that's that's the message for this. Because our purpose, we all want to accomplish our goal, uh, our call, and sometimes the call is, does not look like we imagine. Like we were talking before off, uh, off, off camera about when when we hear ministry of being a pastor, we have a a mindset. This is how it looks like. When reality for you, for example, might not look like what you let's say like Pastor Steve. Yeah, it might not look like that. So what I want to do is you pray for the people whoever's going, whatever they're going through, sure. just pray for them that God, they will listen, listen to God because God is always speaking and they'll obey right. God. Yeah, you know. All right, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for my brother. I thank you for his heart to serve you. And Lord, I just pray for, um, I just pray for folks who watch this. I pray for the broken. I pray for the downtrodden. I pray for people whose hearts have been crushed. Lord, it's scripture so clear, Lord, that, that you have come and not to snuff out the smoldering wick, not to break off the bent reed, but to bring healing and restoration to the smoldering wick. Lord, many times I felt like a smoldering wick. All that was left was gone. I felt like a bent reed ready to snap in two. And yet you came and you relit the fire in my heart. You came and you healed the things that were bent and broken. And Lord, I thank you that many times you take crooked sticks and you use them to draw straight lines. You use them to point us to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. And Father, I just pray right now that you would minister life and truth to people who have been broken, people whose hearts have been crushed by either their own failures or the failures of people around them. And remind us, Lord, remind us every day that you take the foolish things of this world to confound the wise.
And one of my favorite phrases, Lord, is that you, you, you don't call the qualified, you qualify the called. You take us where we're at, the mess that we are living in, and you begin to heal us and mend us and train us and help us to refocus our lives on serving in a supernatural, dynamic way the people around us. Like you did with the woman at the well. You didn't judge her. Anybody who could have judged her, you were the one. But you said, go and sin no more. And Lord, I pray you'd help us to realize our mission, our mission is to bring people to the foot of the cross and to remind them to just go and sin no more. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And as you said, Jesus, Yeshua, love your neighbor as yourself. And Father, we just pray that you would bring that peace and that grace and that truth into people's lives. We don't have to be perfect. The truth is we can't be perfect. All we can do is allow our hearts to be transformed by you. And we pray that, Lord, release the power of the Holy Spirit to bring healing and health and salvation to those who are lost and hurting and downtrodden. For our inheritance, Lord, for our inheritance, we cry out that you would give us the lost, the broken, the downtrodden, and bring them to a saving knowledge of you that they might know you, really know you. And you remind everybody who sees this, Lord, that there is a God in heaven. He has a name, and he's chosen us and called us by name. So Lord, I pray you call the names of the people out there and bring them to yourself. And we just pray this, as my rabbi friend would say, B'Shem Yeshua HaMashiach, in the name of Jesus the Messiah. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. Yeah. So thank you for everybody who listened. And I pray that you watch the whole show. Before I let you go, I want you to remember this. We all have a story. What's your story? Thank you. Thank you for joining my show and listening to the interview that I just had. Come again next time when we have another amazing interview. And in the meantime, subscribe and follow me on social media so that you can keep in contact with me and see what I'm doing throughout the weeks that are coming up. Thank you.